Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular culture. My name is Dominic Archer and with me, as always, is David Bryan. You alright? Hi Dom, yeah, good thanks, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, we've, we've got a special guest with us today, the, the specialist of all guests, the one and only recurring listener to the podcast. Uh, it's it, it's my dad, uh, it's Alex Archer. Hello, hi dad, you alright? Hello Dom, hello Dave. I'm good. This yes, I'm very good. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is pretty exciting for us because after, I don't know how many episodes we've done now, 15, I think? After 15 yeah, episodes so. of talking, of talking about uh, a dad, there's actually a dad here. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm excited. Finally, we've that. got some authenticity in the, in the podcast. Yeah, it's about damn time. So our topic for day, uh, today, as everyone can read from this uh, from the podcast is the original Star Wars trilogy. Dave, why do we want to talk about Star Wars? Well, we spoke about uh, the Mandalorian last week, and I think um, you had some some thoughts related to the original original trilogy that you, we had to stop you from getting too far into, so that we could save them <laughs> for an episode of their own. And you ba- barely managed to hold on for a couple of weeks before you needed to to, to splurge. So we've set this up so you can. You can spooge all over us. <laughs> hmm. Interesting description. But uh, yes, yeah, if, if uh, well, I think as the one recurring listener to the podcast, Dad, you, I don't think you finished the, the second Mandalorian episode because you haven't finished watching The Mandalorian yet. Is that right? Uh, I haven't finished watching The Mandalorian and I haven't f- uh, finished your second episode either. You, can you spy on me? Let's see if I can actually listen to them or not. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other, because then you will change your habits. Uh, but yes, what I said at the end of the, the the Mandalorian episode was we were talking about father and son relationships uh, in Star Wars and family relationships in Star Wars. And uh, Dave was saying how good it was to have a continuation of this family theme that exists within the Star Wars movies, right? And... Um, I said to Dave, I don't think that Star Wars is about family. I think it was turned into that and twisted into a family story. And now everything to do with Star Wars uh, is in some way related to a familial relationship because we've taken on this cultural belief that the two are connected when they weren't intended to be. And I think the family stuff, the family themes in the original trilogy are, are crap. I said, I said, and I threw down my microphone with force. <laughs> right. Uh, the force, you so could say. With, yes, with the force, with the dark side, because it was full of anger. Um, but now we've come back. It's a new year. It's 2021. Happy New Year to both of you. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. And so now we're going to get into it. It's a big one to start the year off with, the original the original Star Wars trilogy. We've rewatched some of them. Um, but I think one of the, the great reasons that I wanted to get you onto this one, Dad, was that for me, uh, we have a very strong father and son relationship with the Star Wars movies. And you are somebody who actually grew up watching the movies in the cinema. So what I what I know it's crazy, right? Mm. <laughs> what what are your memories of seeing Star Wars when it first came out? The first one's what seventy seven, I think. Yeah, something like that. Well, the first thing I've got to do is start with uh, Dom. I am your father. 
<laughs> it's true very much. I've been waiting for ages is. to do that. Yeah, Brilliant. recorded for prosperity. Uh, yeah, the first one I saw, uh, I was on a camping trip with my mate Andy. We'd sort of gone away to Newquay in 1977, I guess it was. And uh, we'd spent a few days down there. And the highlight of it, I'm sure it was the first Star Wars, um, was it was uh, at the cinema there. So we went and watched it and were totally and utterly blown away by it. I bet. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing had really come out like that before, right? That was something, this was a first in cinema, something of this scale. Absolutely, yeah, and um, maybe that's the second one, blimey. It's like I didn't expect to be stung with that question there. That might have been the second one I saw, because like, I can remember seeing the the, um, the trailer for the first one, uh, sitting around with mum and dad, and it, was, uh, it came up on the telly, um, and everything else was very grey on telly, sort of black and white, and the Star Wars trailer jumped out as like, wow, that's exciting, that is absolutely amazing. Um, so I think that's my first Star Wars memory. Do you have any any more as the movies came out? Because I think the final one was 1983, something like that. A Return of the Jedi came out, I think. So you would have gone from being what 11 or 12 up until your you know your late teens by the time they, they finish coming out, which is a similar age to what we would have been when the prequels came out. Uh, in the 90s, early 2000s. So it would have been something that you kind of grew up with those movies coming out. Like, was it just something that was there or was it something you were excited for? Oh, definitely excited. It kind of, um, yeah, it was head and shoulders above everything else. Uh, it was different from everything else. Uh, it was exciting uh, and never really seen before, I think, because beforehand everything was incredibly low, low budget and sort of... Uh, uh, sort of film-wise, it's sort of cowboys and Indian type film. So the the sci-fi thing was starting to pick up, uh, and it was just yeah, everything that wasn't the same old normal and sort of like sitting around at home being bored. It was just getting out and really seeing something yeah, exceptional, different, exciting, and very relatable. It's like it, it was for the kids. I think it kind of felt like it's for the kids. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I was just doing some reading beforehand, and it was talking about the ending of Return of the Jedi. And the uh, the screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, and um, I think he did um, The Force Awakens and, and these ones as well. But he also did the Han Solo movie, so let's not go too much into praising him. But he <laughs> wanted to um, he wanted the ending of the Return of the Jedi to be Luke defeats Darth Vader, then picks up Darth Vader's helmet and says, and now I am Darth Vader. And then Luke Skywalker dominates the galaxy as like the new Lord of the Sith, the new emperor. And George Lucas said, this movie is for kids. And uh, that's not the story, you know, it's not the story that kids should, should have because they need to be filled with hope, not with despair. And um, Dave Filoni, who did The Mandalorian, was one of the co-producers on The Mandalorian, he did like the Clone Wars TV series, the Rebels TV series. Um, we worked very closely with George Lucas, said that that's what George Lucas always says, is make sure this movie is there for kids because the kids need hope and the world isn't full of obvious hope. And so the Star Wars franchise was always kind of supposed to be about that. Um, strange then that he starts going into trade disputes in earlier movies, but we, we don't have to, to jump into that. <laughs> Uh, at the moment um yes i was searching today because i knew we were doing uh, we were doing this for a photograph i have 
of you and me, I think also in Newquay in 1999, mm-hmm. going to see The Phantom Menace. Yeah. And there is a photo of you and me in a photograph booth. Uh, well, I would have been eight, I guess, going to see, yeah, going to see The Phantom Menace. And I have it somewhere. I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's definitely, I definitely have it around here somewhere. And so it, it does have that generational thing, you know, if you saw it when, when you were young and then you took me to see it and then, you know, people of our generation should have taken their kids to see, to see the more recent. I think that's a really important part of Star Wars. Uh, well, definitely. That's one of the things I wrote in my notes when I was sort of looking at the films. I was thinking, what, what, what is it about the Star Wars thing and daddy issues and things? And I think probably the main one that jumped out was it's an experience we could do together. We go and watch the films and then talk about it and share it. And it keeps rolling on because there's the games. As the franchise has expanded, there's all sorts of different ways you can interact as a family, sort of father and son, with Star Wars stuff and have good experiences together. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really true. Is there any, before we get onto the topic itself, uh, Dave, is there anything you have to, to add about father and son stuff in Star Wars? Like, was that a part of, of your experience of it growing up or was, was it just separate for you? It was separate from any kind of father-son relationship of my own because um, we always went to the cinema as a family. It was kind of a regular outing that we would do and Phantom Menace was definitely one of them um, at least once. Um, but my mum has always been more of a, f- uh, a film fan than, than my dad was. My dad always would like roll his eyes at any like sci-fi or fantasy or a- action for me wanting to see. Um, he'd end up coming out of it having to admit that he enjoyed it. But I think he always has these like highfalutin ideas that it's all a bit base and um, simple and and whatever. Um, so no, but it, I was make, it made me think of uh, when we spoke about The Mandalorian how I think it is quite pertinent that there is this big generational gap between the original trilogy um, in the 70s and 80s then the prequel trilogy that came out when Dom and I were kids and now the, the most recent tr- trilogy um, the, the, it has allowed for generations to grow up and then take their own children to go see a brand new installment of Star Wars and uh, a friend of mine who is a huge Star Wars fan he has um, a tattoo of C-3PO and R2-D2 on his arm um, <laughs> Well, uh, when we st- we used to work together, and uh, he's since had a child of his own, and when uh, Force Awakens came out, his daughter was of the perfect age to go and see it and experience this brand new thing. And I remember seeing pictures on social media of her dressed as in Ray costumes, and so he was he was able to take that love and not just. I feel like sometimes if you love something that you loved as a kid, and you then try and force it onto your children, you might actually end up repelling them from it, because um, you, you're trying too hard. Um, so it was great to have something of her generation that he can also be excited about and they have that shared, uh-huh. a really great shared experience that is you know, kind of retreading. So hopefully if in another 20, 30 years there's another trilogy coming out, then it'll be because the kids who loved Ray and John Boyega and Oscar Isaac and all those guys have grown up and now they want to, to keep that momentum going. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think an interesting counterpoint to that, actually, now that we have Dad here as well, is I can say my stepdad hates Star Wars. He hates it completely. (laughs) And I remember when Revenge of the Sith came out. So that's 2003, 2004, I think. Um, He took me to the cinema to see it for some reason. Uh, I think that was the only Star Wars movie he'd ever seen because he has no interest in it at all. And the movie finished and we came out and I said, that was great. And I remember him saying, was it? And that, <laughs> oh, that is, that's like, 
Yeah, that's that's that same that same thing though, isn't it? Where you you can have all these positive defining memories of seeing of seeing these movies as I have, as I have uh, with Dad and like playing Battlefront games or playing Knights of the Old Republic and all of these like intense powerful memories, or you can have that one moment where it's kind of uh, it's kind of ruined, and that's one thing I hope with this this new trilogy now. Which I'm not, as as we all, as Dave knows, I've mentioned before, I'm not a particularly big fan of the new movies. Um, but I hope that people of our generation who have said, "Oh, these movies are shit," or or whatever, haven't ruined it for those people, those kids who were growing up, and uh, you know, loved loved it, um, and then had it spoiled by you know, thirty year old men being upset that there's a girl, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is there. It is there for kids. Okay, well, let's get straight into it because we're. This is really the most iconic father and son in all of popular culture. I think at this point, name a more iconic father and son. I think other than Jesus, um, it's <laughs> Jesus and God. It's probably pretty tough. Um, do you? Firstly, I guess. Do you believe the father and son relationship? between Luke and Darth Vader and uh, I'll throw this to you first Dave what what do you get from that relationship if anything is it I found it quite interesting just this week because I watched the only film I watched in preparation for this was Return of the Jedi um because I mentioned to you that I might not have time to watch them all and you said well if you're going to watch one watch Return of the Jedi because it's got the most yeah it has all, all the father's son stuff comes to fruition in that one and and um, I was also glad to watch it because I think of the original trilogy, that's the one I've seen the least. I think the number of times I've sat down to watch all three in succession means that I've watched New Hope the most and then mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back the second most and Return of the Jedi the least, and especially on its own. Like, why would you watch Return of the Jedi and nothing else? Um, but I did. But I found actually the father-son relationship in the film more affecting now than I ever have before. And I, that might have something to do with me taking it out of sequence and just being able to watch the film and take it for what it is. Because even within the construct of this one movie, you see a lot of, of conflict within the characters, between the characters themselves, Luke and, and Darth Vader, and, and but then also w- within them. And I think that's the whole, the whole obviously premise of this movie is will Luke give in to the dark side and, and, and fall in that way, or will he be strong and thrive and end up saving his father which spoilers he kind of does um <laughs> so there, there's the particular sequence where luke gives himself up to to darth vader and they're having a, a chat sort of on this promenade while yeah. luke's luke's in handcuffs yeah. and um luke's doing his whole bit about there's still good in you i can sense it and up until that point darth vader has kind of remained the baddest man in the galaxy you know just fearsome and stoic and and loyal to the dark side um and there's this one line where the conversation turns where he says it's too late for me Mm. like almost admitting that luke might be right there might be something there but all all hope is is gone it's too late he's done too much he's fallen too far um and i found that quite yeah quite affecting in a way that i never have before and as you said, this is the most iconic father-son relationship in popular culture. So, I everybody knows all the details of this thing, but to really focus on these little nuances of 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 dialogue and and shifts in their in their alignment was 
was new to me somehow it was it was really cool yeah i wanted to bring up that scene as well because when i was watching it i rewatched it again just before we did our call that one scene because i think that is the most important scene in the original star wars trilogy that one because it speaks a lot to luke's evolution as a character and to luke's story arc because if we go back to empire strikes back the father and son moment is obviously uh that i am your father cuts his hand off no luke falls down a hole and you know in despair and that is the heartbreaking climax of that movie, right? It's why that movie is so iconic. If you remove that section of the film, like, it's still a good movie, but that's what makes it great. It's, you know, it's the the turning point of, of genius that in that film. But by the time that Luke gets to that walkway in Return of the Jedi, he has gone from a fearful boy who thinks that he can he can take on Darth Vader because he has to he's gone from this fearful boy who's lost his hand whose entire view of the galaxy has been broken into a place where his fear has been evaporated when he stands before Darth Vader he isn't scared of Darth Vader anymore he feels he's compassionate and loving to Darth Vader and he says you know, there is good in you, join me, rather than you motherfucker, you cut off my hand, you tortured Princess Leia, you froze Han Solo in carbonite, you're a bastard and I'm gonna kill you for it. He goes in there with nothing but love and compassion and calls him father the whole way through. And that is where, yeah, where Luke's journey is really, really most evident, I think. It's a really amazing scene. Uh, yeah, before we jump back, what did you did you have any thoughts when you watched that bit, Dad? Uh, well, I think it was a very believable father and son relationship, even though it's all based in fantasy. Um, on that particular scene, what really came to my mind is something that I've been working with for a few years, which is I, I used to think fathers teach sons, and it's a one way process. Fathers educate sons, and like yeah, I learned from my dad and all this stuff. But actually, it's a two way process. Fathers can learn from sons as well. So there's potential, uh, if fathers are open enough, to actually go blind me. My son's trying to teach me something here, and uh, he, they've got, there's the opportunity for, for dads to low, grow and learn from a situation as well. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's so poignant, I think, especially if I, can, if I think about my relationship with my dad. I, we've spoken about this all throughout this podcast and about how we look at our dads as like uh sort of of lionized figures these like godlike figures who are there and they're always they always know what's best and they're always a role model and you know your your life is meant to be spent learning from them and i to be honest i don't think i've really gotten over that and the the idea that i could really teach my dad anything Mm -hmm. is still a bit alien to me i mean maybe it's a bit of a (laughs) self-esteem issue i don't think i've got anything to teach him but yeah to i think that is a poignant a moment in a in a father son relationship um do you have you felt have you come to that place with doms as he as he uh imparted any wisdom onto you oh, oh yeah well it's a, yeah it's a dynamic process i think I'm, I'm open enough for it and 
uh, especially in the, the more modern world, it's more complicated in terms of technical stuff. There's stuff that Dom knows I don't. So there are times when Dom Dom's going to f- lead and I'll follow, and vice versa. You know, but I mean, it's not just technical stuff. Obviously, there's you know big emotional things and life lessons in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that scene also has a really important perspective shift uh, as well because it's about in in this wider world like focusing in on your your relationship and um learning to feel uh that you know the the grander things in the world that are at play are not always what's most important here um and being open to one another rather than feeling the pressures of the of the wider world um as as being too much i think f- for me the, the in that scene in particular it's the fact that that luke does go in there with compassion and that darth vader is actually somewhat open to it like he does he does go no as as you said Dave, no it's it's too late for me you know but he's so close and luke luke says to him i can feel that you are conflicted here right like you've you've been this one track merchant of death for for 30 years or 40 years but there is conflict that, that is still in there and for luke on the other side it's um we've come to think of the jedi as being these like peaceful monks who only use their lightsabers when they have to but like both yoda and obi-wan kenobi say to luke you have to kill darth vader in, in they say in in return of the jedi and in, in empire strikes back they yoda and obi-wan say you're gonna have to go and kill him because if confront. you don't kill him i, I, I just no, but what, but, on today uh, yesterday you yeah. must confront vader yeah, and Luke is like, I'm not going to fight him. He's my father, I'm not going to fight him. And they say, well, then we're all doomed. Right? Mm. It's like the, the Jedi aren't hoping for some redemption arc. They're hoping that Luke's going to go in there and kick ass. And that's the big, the, the big difference here, right? The, the, the Jedi are detached from their emotions, from their relationships, and Darth Vader has become a detached from that because he believed he didn't have any and that all he had was was the dark side uh, but then once you bring that family connection together they can grow from one another because Luke refuses to to kill him he wants to he wants to redeem his his father and if it wasn't his father he would have just killed him like there's Luke kills a lot of people in Star Wars. <laughs> like <laughs> he blow he blows up the Death Star. He you know chucks Boba Fett into the Sarlacc pit. Like he's not above killing people. But when it uh, when it comes to, he when it comes to Darth Vader, he's my father, and that's more important than the Emperor. It's more important than you know the rebellion. He's my father, and and that takes priority. And I think that's a really awesome kind of moment there. It's bigger than the Jedi and the Sith. It's father and son, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> it is, yeah. Especially yeah. since he's well, only uh... just found out that he's his dad. Like it's been, I I was trying to figure out if this is known and what what the 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 where the and the chronology the the gap in time between the movies because obviously they came out three years apart from each other. So are we to assume that the end of Empire Strikes Back 
it's three years until we see the opening scene of Return of the Jedi. Is that the case? Because I know Luke kind of like saunters into Jabba's palace like he's hot shit and he's to be feared and he's a <laughs> master Jedi Knight. He calls himself a Jedi Knight even though he goes to Yoda later and, Je- and Yoda says, no, you're not a Jedi yet. So has Luke been training for three years and now they're going to bust out Han Solo or is it like a matter of days, months, weeks? I don't, whatever. I don't know. Do you know this? Does anyone know this? I'm not sure. I have a feeling it's meant to be like six months or something. I I vaguely remember reading, but that doesn't seem like enough time to me. Like in my mental chronology, it's been a couple of years of fleeing the Empire, you know, meditating, building himself up, building the new lightsaber. Because you're right, the change yeah. in Luke from Empire to, to now is huge. Like, in, you think of him back in, in A New Hope, which we, we'll have to go back to in a minute. But in A New Hope, he's, he's a boy. You know, he's a boy thirsting for adventure. And by Return of the Jedi, he goes into Jabba's palace without his weapon. And is like, you should really just give me Han Solo. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. And Jabba's yeah, like, so you're going to kill balls. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, like, he's, doing, the, he's, not he's e- doing the mind trick thing. He just chokes that pig man. <laughs> he's confident. And the big guy tries to. Yes, yeah, he's confident. Uh, do you think? What do you think it is that? Well, I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Dad. What do you think it is that causes that? I, I guess metamorphosis within Luke. What do you see within Luke in his journey? Well, I suppose that in the the end of the previous film. Um, uh, uh, it's revealed that um, if, I, if, I, if I've got this, this right, that Darth Vader's his dad. So he's he's got a, his reality's changed. He's got a new confidence. Uh, he's, he's he's had a spiritual awakening. Uh, he's had some training, although it's not complete. Um, and uh, he, he's more in the driving seat of his own life. I think. I mean, he's decided his friends are more important than completing the training. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the fact that he hasn't gone back to Yoda as well throughout this time. Like, he could have just got his hand chopped off and then said, fuck this, I'm going back to the swamp. Um, but he doesn't. Yeah, he stays and makes it his mission to find Han and free Han rather than completing his training. But that seems to be how he becomes a Jedi, like a Jedi master himself. He doesn't go back and meditate and pick up rocks doing a headstand. He just does, he just becomes the master by... Yeah, as you're saying, I think that spiritual awakening, he reaches some point of balance and zen within himself almost. There's something about knowing himself, and I suppose like at the beginning of the first film, his, his family dies, who's, you know, uh, the, the farming and all that kind of stuff, and he's completely lost, isn't he? And that's the start of his journey. And this point where he's at in his journey, there's something that is assured. He knows what he wants, knows what he doesn't want. He's got his priorities sorted out, and I think it's... Uh, do or die, isn't it? I mean, he, he knows he's, he seems very confident he's going to win in that situation, which he does. There doesn't seem to be any doubt in his mind. Is there something yeah. to say Is to it... think about how uh, after the climax of Empire Strikes Back, the trauma of that event, of facing down this, this ultimate evil, losing, getting his hand chopped off and then having this huge revelation about him, himself and his family... It's like he hits bottom almost, and it, I mean literally he falls mm. almost infinitely, and, and he's dangling from the the, the antenna or whatever. Um, so 
do you think there's something to say in like about the the human condition of the like you can find the most strength you've ever felt after you've hit you've hit bottom at that point it hardens you and you can realign your priorities and you do you can figure out how much you can actually take as a person and then you can kind of rise from that phoenix from the ashes and be be stronger be more confident and just know like like you said alex know yourself and know what you have to do uh yeah very possibly I mean, he has hit rock bottom and he only weighs up um I did actually think I did chuckle when I watched the film a couple of days ago because I think uh, Darth Vader, his, his dad, basically uh, offers him at that point uh, the choice: we can rule the galaxy as father and son, and uh, Luke rejects it. And I did actually think, oh, a bit ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did, just another comedic moment. I did actually think that for some reason, like uh, you see, uh, like father and son, you know, uh, that, that, that John Allen and son plasterers on the side of a, a transit van I had this little vision of that kind of thing Darth Vader and son you know purveyors of evil throughout the universe sort of plastered on the side of the Death Star and I actually thought that would be quite a nice little comedic sort of side uh, spin-off you know that would be great yeah I'm surprised Robot Chicken or Family Guy haven't done something like that already mm. that's a good line yeah they, they must have done I think that I, I see a lot in what you were talking about there Dave about how his trauma has, has come to shape him um, mm. because his actual formal training between confronting Vader in Empire and then confronting him in Return of the Jedi like he hasn't gone and you know been practicing his sword fighting or anything like that because there's no one to, to practice with so his growth is not a literal oh I'm a better sword fighter now than I was before it is mm. a ve- it is uh, um, an internal um, self dedication self improvement and yeah it's it's an inner strength rather than a, like a I've improved my combat abilities or something I think yeah. the truth has been revealed he knows who he really is after meeting his dad and knowing he's a Jedi, he's sort of like the Jedi blood runs in him and all that, and his heritage um, is truly revealed who who he actually is. He's, he's a Jedi Knight. Maybe that's where his assurance, assuredness comes from when he walks into Jabba's palace. He really knows it now. Yeah. Let's, let's jump back a little bit, because when I said to you, Dad, oh, we're going to do the original Star Wars movies, you went, that's great, because there's, there's Luke Skywalker and there's Darth Vader, but also... There's like three fathers in the first movie and uh, in A New Hope. Um, so in the first film, we have uh, we have Luke and Uncle Owen. Uh, then we have Luke and, and Obi-Wan. And I guess we don't see Princess Leia and her father, but they're, they're kind of, they're, that, that connection's kind of there. Um, I'm the only one that rewatched A New Hope. So uh, I've got the, the freshest memory of, of Luke and, and Uncle Owen. But, but Dave, what do you remember of, of that relationship from the last time you saw it, of Uncle Owen and, uh, and Aunt Beru? Well, I, did a, I suppose I did a little bit of cheating, and I didn't watch the film, but I read, I did some reading, and I did get a refresher on, on Uncle Owen. Um, and just trying to, again, like piece together this kind of fractured, a mysterious family tree. So... Yeah, so Uncle Owen is, well, Anakin, no, Luke's actual uncle, or is it like his, 
stepdad? No, it says actual uncle. I, I, I would say in this case, forget anything from the prequels because I want to come to that <laughs> later on. I want to come yeah, to discuss that that later on. Yeah, there's yeah all yeah. kinds of of things. Um, from what I what I read and what I do I did remember, um, Owen is a very is very protective of Luke. He doesn't really want Luke to go to to go anywhere dangerous. They want to keep him safe, which I'm sure was his remit when. You told me to forget what happens in the prequels, but that was probably his remit yes. when Obi Wan drops him off at, um, as a baby. Um, so Luke is keen to to go out and explore and and maybe further himself, join the academy, and whatever. But Owen is very persistent in saying, "No, we we need you here. Maybe just one more season." And I think do we assume that Luke is about eighteen years old or something in in A New Hope? So he's kind of already become a man, and he's had all of the upbringing that he can was probably going to get from this moisture farm in the middle of the desert in Tatooine. So it makes sense that he'd want to explore and do something different. But I did get the sense that Owen was, you know, a good father figure. He seems to have raised Luke quite well. Um, and he just seems to want to, he seems a bit stern, but at least he's just looking out for him. Those are my main, my main takeaways from that. Yeah. Dad, any thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, he's definitely uh, responsible. Uh, he's looking after Luke. It's very uh, controlled. It's very safe. Uh, it's very mundane, isn't it? And Luke's got to the point where he wants to break away and actually have some adventure. Um, and it's sort of time for Luke to fly the nest, really, I suppose. Yeah, that was one thing that I, I kind of picked up while I was watching it this um the other day was I think this is the most believable real realistic the most realistic relationship in Star Wars is Luke and Uncle Owen where but by the time we get to Darth Vader it's become some spiritual force mumbo jumbo I am your father you have a twin sister all of this stuff but the reason that Luke Skywalker is relatable to us is because we see he lives on a farm with his dad and his dad says, no, I, I want you to stay here and help me on the farm. And Luke's like, but I want to go and see the world. Um, and that's why the character is relatable, right? If you remove Uncle Owen from from Luke Skywalker, then the, he's not relatable at all. He's a, a white guy living in the desert. It doesn't make any sense. He becomes like a hermit, like, um, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. So... You need this relatable family relationship that we can all understand um, to kick the story off. And I think it's a, they do a really, a really solid job of establishing that in that first movie. Because you understand Luke's, you know, impulse to want to get out. But Uncle Owen is also a loving person who who cares for Luke but also he needs some help on the farm so you know like we're 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 tethered by um by the reality of our world and the minute that that Uncle Owen is killed all all of those ties are lost for Luke right he lose he loses his family then he's on a fucking starship and you know gets captured on the death star and um all ties to reality are kind of lost when uh, when Uncle Owen dies, but I do think it's interesting that this this couple raised him from a baby until eighteen, and he never mentions them again, right? There's, there's no part in the Empire in Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi where he goes, "You fucking burnt my parents, you <laughs> you know, like you came to my home and murdered my family," and they're yeah. just kind of forgotten once he 
once he leaves. That past life is left behind. Yeah, all those interactions he has with stormtroopers after that point. Why do, he never once goes, "You killed my family, prepared to die." My name is Inigo Montoya, or whatever. Um, yeah, he has. He yeah. would think he would have some almost uh, disproportionate rage towards any stormtrooper that he saw, and to have these flashbacks to to seeing his, the burned corpses of his his adopted parents. <laughs> but no, he doesn't go full Rambo. No. No, Dad. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, I, I can imagine if uh, it was a net, if it's redone now, the story is told now. It could be a Netflix series, and those are all the, those things he could really explore and have those conversations. But in you know action movies that are condensed into what an hour and a half, maybe there's just not the space to actually look at that. Um, and I was thinking as you're talking about uh, you know his life on the farm with Owen, the stepdad, that. Uh, if I'm sort of 12 or 13 and going to watch that with my family, that bit of the film is instantly relatable. And it's like, oh, God, it's all being told what to do all the time. And it's so restrictive. It's all, no, no, no. Can I, I want to go on a speeder? No. And it's that whole thing for most kids is very relatable. Well, the parents would just say no again. And then it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the, the excitement starts when that family disintegrates and they die. So <laughs> it's like, oh, blimey. <laughs> yeah there's an important lesson for kids there become an arsonist and get rid of, <laughs> get rid of your parents and uh, yeah life life becomes limitless I think that one reason that uh, Luke is so easily able to move on is that by this point in the movie he's already encountered his second father figure mm. who is Obi-Wan Kenobi this this wise uh, wise old teacher a crazy man who lives in the hills and then suddenly takes the place in fact, he mourns the loss of obi-wan kenobi much more than he losses um he then he mourns the loss of of uncle owen and aunt baru when uh, when obi-wan kenobi gets it later on um but what do you think of what do you think of the relationship between luke and and obi-wan dave like what what does that that relationship say to you if anything when i was thinking about the father and son relationships in star wars i i i thought it best to discount any master apprentice relationships because although they often are an older man and a younger man and he's teaching him the ways of the world and teaching him how to hone their skills and whatever their gifts it doesn't seem especially i was going to say it doesn't seem particularly compassionate um especially in the world of the Jedi, where they're taught to... I noticed, actually, in Return of the Jedi, Yoda explicitly says to Luke, repress all your feelings. All these feelings you have, just bury them. Get them deep down there where they're not going to become a problem for you and you can fulfil the destiny of... and, you know, bring balance to the Force and all that stuff. So I don't find that to be particularly familial the relationship between a master if you can call obi-wan luke's master for any time they're not together in the adventure of the story for very long um so it's and i guess with the age of obi-wan you think maybe there's sort of a grandfatherly wise old sit on my knee i'll tell you a story kind of thing but but uh but no i don't i don't see that as a as a very father i don't see obi-wan as a surrogate father for luke it does feel like he needs to be he needs to be picked up by by gentle hands and 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 carried on to the next part of the story and and Obi Wan is the person who's going to do that and yeah he's he's invested. Yeah, I kind of feel a bit cynical about his any kind of love he might have for Luke or care when 
he's probably harboring tons and tons of guilt about what happened with his last apprentice. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. What do you think about the the Obi Wan relationship then? Uh, well, it kind of strokes me um, that uh, with Owen, it was everything was known and certain, uh, and with Obi Wan, all of a sudden Luke's life is totally uncertain. He's looking for answers, and uh, uh, Obi Wan is kind of like has got uh, he's got the bigger picture, so he knows all about this stuff that Luke doesn't. So there's something about moving into the unknown and he can help him navigate that i think obi-wan fulfills that need for for guidance that owen can't um as as you were saying earlier on dad the the role of owen is to constrict luke's worldview essentially to stop him from leaving the boundaries of the farm because he wants to go to toshi station to pick up some power converters <laughs> and uh uncle owen's like no you're gonna clean those droids and then you're gonna work on the farm and then he meets obi-wan kenobi and obi-wan's like have you heard about the force do you know your father was a jedi that this is called a lightsaber uh, there's this guy called darth vader and he's evil and we're gonna have to fight him eventually and the the two these two different father figures are like uh stay in your place and then you're gonna have to learn the ways of the force if you're going to come with me to alderaan it's like one of him one of his father figures is saying don't you do anything Mm. because i need you to live in the desert and the other one saying you're gonna have to become the greatest badass in the galaxy if you're gonna come with me to another planet and free that sexy ass princess and like it's it's pretty easy to see why Luke becomes more attached to one of them when one of them is offering him the universe and you know spirituality and this connection to all other living things, and the other guy's saying, "Drink your blue milk and shut up <laughs> right, Do you know that's amazing i th- I think you summed that up amazingly um uh and it's a question that all of us have got to face, isn't it? Somehow, do we go for security? We're growing up. We're going to make our way in the world. Do we go for security and safety and dullness and not actually live and just exist and be sort of like hunkered down and your spirit kind of crushed, um, which is kind of what he was feeling with Owen? Or do you actually move into the unknown and have excitement, possibilities, the chance of like yeah, adventure, uh, unknowns, danger, uh, winning the girl? What life you know what life do you want and maybe again for like a teenager watching something like star wars for the first time start asking that question it's like it's very relatable to everyone isn't it even though it's a fantasy yeah 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 just well I, I, there's only so many times you could say god star wars is great but this is yeah this is one of those <laughs> those reasons why yeah. so yeah within that first movie uh owen and and obi-wan are both are both killed by the empire um Luke destroys the Death Star, blah, 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 blah. We've, we've all seen it. Um, Empire Strikes Back, we get the uh, I am your father moment. And this is when the threads start to come apart for me a little bit in terms of what I was saying, Dave, on, on the Mandalorian podcast about why the whole family thing um, doesn't work completely for me within the original cell, why everyone thinks it's so important, but why... Uh, I don't. I don't fully believe that it is, um, but the the I am your father moment is that that big reveal. 
Do either of you remember seeing that for the first time? Because now it is this cultural touchstone that everyone knows, right? But do you guys remember finding that out for the first time? I mean, Dad, you would actually have been able to go to the cinema and see it for the first time. I, I would, and that's when it, that was the Nuki film. Yeah, I, rem I remember that. Now, I mean, I can remember just being blown away by the whole film. So actually, that one particular moment, it does stand out as like, oh, wow, here we are. Um, but the, the whole experience, I think, when you see it for the first time, is sort of quite overwhelming. Yeah, I can only, I can only really imagine that to go, in, especially in the the world we live in now, where you can't really have a. Well, I suppose the Mandalorian pulled it off, but there's no there's no popular culture or movies, TV series that are massive in scale. Alongside Star Wars, maybe you're thinking of like Game of Thrones on TV or whatever that a huge twist can happen that no people aren't going to know about before it's even happened. So for me, with like Empire Strikes Back, I knew Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father before I remember even seeing it because I don't think I saw it as a, a little kid. By the time I'd watched that film, I had seen The Simpsons and a hundred other shows which had kind of lampooned that whole thing. So it, it, there, was, well, there, was no, there was no twist, there was no surprise. It was just seeing it for the first time. And speaking of The Simpsons, I stumbled across that clip of when Homer and Marge go to see Empire Strikes Back and they walk out of the screening with a huge queue of people outside waiting to see it. And Homer goes, oh, I can't believe Darth Vader turned out to be Luke Skywalker's father. And some guy in the crowd goes, oh, way to ruin the picture for me. This classic moment. So that's it was maybe even that very episode, which I saw before I ever mm. saw uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's one of the, the downsides of it being this cultural phenomenon, is that you can't avoid that that truth. Mm. Um, and one of the one of my greatest uh, memories from living abroad, especially living in China, where nobody knows anything about Star Wars at all because it's not part of their cultural framework. In fact, to such an extent that when I saw. The Last Jedi in China in the cinema, they came up with in Chinese with little explanations for who the characters were. So Princess Leia came up on the screen, and then in Chinese it said, "This is Princess Leia. She's the leader of the rebellion. Uh, she's the sister of Luke Skywalker. She's the mother of of Kylo Ren, and she was married to Han Solo, who was killed in the last movie. Right? For, and that <laughs> happened for all of the characters because this just this doesn't exist. Um, so I have been able to show three different people empire strikes back for the first time and see their reaction for the i am your father and that is one of the experiences that i hold closest to my heart is being sat there like oh my god oh my god oh my god they're gonna say it and then this person's gonna freak out and then watching watching the jaw drop and the what uh reaction when that happens because you can't, you can't get that in the UK or, or America or anywhere else because we all know. Um, even without seeing it, we all know. So seeing adults react to the I am your father and the shock and the no, it's, it is yeah, a, special, uh, a special thing to see. That's pretty so, rare, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like uh, you were saying the other day, Dave, oh, I, I won't watch them all because uh, Laura, your girlfriend, wants to watch them at some point. Yeah. Like having not ever really seen them but she knows right she yeah, knows yeah yeah, yeah. so exactly. yeah it's so kind for the of... same the same way like she she knows all of the 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 touchstones and she's only seen the new trilogy um so when things were kind of being like being dropped little easter eggs or very blatant slap in your face easter eggs that were happening in those trilogy movies 
I had to lean over and be like, that's because he's that and she's that and, and that happened back in that one. So she knows it all. Nothing, no surprises are coming. But um, I just, yeah. for quickly before we move on, I read a bit of trivia about that, that moment in uh, the I Am Your Father moment. George Lucas was so keen to keep that a secret, even in the days where spoilers weren't really a thing, um, that the, all the cast were given a script that was changed. So... Um, what Luke Skywalker, uh, sorry, what Mark Hamill is screaming, no, it's not possible. The line he was fed for that was, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. And then he didn't, then he, then none of the cast knew until the film came out. So mm. even then, like he was so, he wanted to hold on to that because it, it was going to be, maybe he knew it was going to be so iconic and so huge that no one could know, not even people who worked on it. Wow. Yeah, that's a cool. That's a cool moment, and uh, I think now it's just worth taking a moment to honor the the recently lost David Prowse, who, oh. uh, yeah, who was a, a Bristol boy, much uh, much like us, Dan. Mm. Um, yeah, what well, he's he's really really was one of uh, one of us, and uh, an absolute uh, absolute legend who never gave up his Bristol accent either, even when it literally made him a joke. And they brought in James Earl Jones because he sounded like Darth Farmer, as they called him, you know, when they were filming. Um, <laughs> he he always stayed true to to being a a real Bristolian, and there's a lot of lot of respect. Respect. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a shame we've that. lost a few though, haven't we? Like Jeremy Bullock, didn't he die quite recently? Yeah, Bob Peter Mayhew in the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's that generational thing, you know, of uh, that we were saying about earlier on. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's difficult as as these things get older. And Princess Leia, of course, as well. Carrie Fisher passed oh, away. That upset me so much when Carrie Fisher. That died. was heart. That was yeah. That was heartbreaking. Um, mm. But now, while while I've got you here on the topic of Princess Leia, mm-hmm. um, this this is where from it ties in uh, to what I said during the Mandalorian episode, and I want to throw this at you guys and see what you think, because. When George Lucas first wrote Star Wars, it was called The Journal of the Wills, his original screenplay. I think during university, I actually found The Journal of the Wills, and me and Dave wanted to go and shoot this original script, just like a Volkswagen and and stuff like that, (laughs) which we didn't have the chance to do. But that initial script was absolutely unreadable. Um, it's, It's awful. And there's lots of discussion around how much credit should George Lucas get for what Star Wars actually is and how much of it was, you know, the studios coming in and saying, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Like Han Solo initially was meant to be a big green alien man. And, you know, it's like all of these weird things where, yeah, George Lucas was was just a little bit off his rails. Um, but when he wrote that Journal of the Well script, initially, he, he it was like 290 pages or something. And it it was all of, of the story, right? It was A New Hope, it was Empire Strikes Back, and it was Return of the Jedi. But he had this 290-page script and was like, I, you know, we can't make this, so I'll just make the first third, which is when he then made A New Hope and then Empire and then Return of the Jedi separately because it was initially supposed to be one big story. But when he started, when he cut those those bits in half... The other two had to be completely revised. So it's not the same story. They're, you know, it's a radically different vision from what he initially had. And that's where the, 
the family stuff falls apart to me. Because I don't think that when George Lucas wrote A New Hope, he intended for Darth Vader to be Luke's father. Hmm. I don't think that was ever part of his plan. I think that when Lawrence Kasdan sat down to write it with him, they came up with it and this happened. But I, I don't think that that was the intention. And I'm like 99% sure that Princess Leia was never supposed to be his sister. Not just because of, you know, the, the kiss and you know, the, the sexual, you know, like that's... But that is part of the problem, is that in Empire Strikes Back, there's that moment where Luke flies off to Bespin. Uh, and uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan have said, don't go. If you go, they're going to get you. You know, the Emperor is going to turn you to the dark side. Don't stay here and complete your training. And Luke's like, I have to go because my friends are going to be killed. And I'm going to go there and rescue my friends. And Luke flies off and Obi-Wan Kenobi says, that boy is our only hope. And Yoda says, no, there is another. And then now we understand post-Return of the Jedi, oh, the other was supposed to be Princess Leia because that was his twin sister all along. But when George Lucas wrote that, he didn't intend for it to be Princess Leia. In his vision for the third movie, there was going to be a new female love interest for Luke Skywalker who would come in. And she was also going to be a Jedi-esque character. And then they would defeat the Empire together, right? And then Han Solo and Princess Leia would get together and Luke would have a relationship of his own. So the you are my sister bit, like now we, again, as with the I am your father, we all understand. But the fact that Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker are sisters, a uh, brother and sister, sorry, was like, oh shit, I've got to tie up this knot. Right, I've, I've said that there is another one. Um, who's it going to be? Because I can't introduce this new character because of time constraints or whatever. Uh, who's it going to be? What I, I've got to put this jigsaw puzzle together. And it turns out that it's Princess Leia. And I don't think it's a genius masterstroke of storytelling. I think it's a, oh crap, I've written myself into a corner and I only have three main characters. So who's it going to be sort of thing. And that's where I think the family ties theme falls apart. Because it doesn't make any sense for Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker to be brother and sister. It makes no, it doesn't make any within the the structure of the story. It doesn't make any sense at all until Obi Wan Obi Wan's ghost says, "You've got a sister," and Luke goes, "It's Leia," and it's like, "Oh, congratulations, George! You really you really tied it together with a bow." Because now that love triangle thing is resolved. Um, so Han and Leia can just be together. Luke doesn't have to be lonely because he's got his sister. Um, it's it's all very contrite. And if I was reviewing the film in 1983, I'd be like, what? Um, yeah, I don't know. That that was my 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 thing. I had to throw out there, Dave. As someone as someone who grew up already knowing that within the cultural context, what do you think? Am I wrong? It's. I was thinking. It's so hard to imagine a a reality where all of the things we've learned, all these revelations, all these family ties, never existed. Because it's like it's just always been the case. You know. Yes, yeah, they are brother and sister. Like, they are. Like, like, that's and just like it. what? Yeah. What are you yeah. talking about? They just. They just are. So I'm trying to. I'm trying to expand my mind and view it from that yeah. way. And I think it just comes down to. I think I. I just think I'm a bit more. 
optimistic about it oh. and the however it came about because you know they sometimes they say like constraints can sometimes um cause or be a catalyst for greater creativity and maybe if george lucas was given free reign to do exactly what he wanted cough cough the prequels cough cough they wouldn't have been as good um so the fact that perhaps he couldn't do certain things or he did write himself into a corner or he ran out of time to explore things turned out to be a good thing and whatever came of it you know resulted in one of the most iconic film franchises of all time and a huge um cultural touchstone the world over and a huge part of my life so i don't i don't really mind you may well be right dom i mean i don't dispute it as a theory um i just think i i'm i'm not uh, i'm not too fussed about how it came to be i'm happy the way it, the way it, it arrived that is very optimistic of you and i, I want to trample on your dreams a little bit that's but fine. I, that's... I welcome. That's, I think that's part of the arrangement we have as as friends. From <laughs> <laughs> what have you discovered? Yeah, I think for for me, uh, it's thinking about it from a storytelling perspective, and it's why the new trilogy falls apart so much. Is with the the new trilogy, they didn't have a clear vision of what was actually going to happen in this stuff. In the same way that like Marvel were like, oh, we've got these blocks, and we're going to build up to something. When they made the new trilogy, they didn't say they didn't have like a treatment where they said Ray is a girl who lives in the desert and her grandfather is the emperor, right? And then over the course of three movies, they laid that framework and built to it. Instead, they went, "Oh shit, we've got one movie left, and we just kept this mystery of who her family really is." And then, oh shit, quick, play the hand, play the hand, and they, they fucked the overall narrative and then just went oh it was this and i think that that is also evident in the the original ones but i think that i am your father revelation is much much stronger than leia and luke being brother and sister because it doesn't mean anything right leia doesn't go with luke to confront the emperor leia doesn't even have a scene with darth vader in that movie there's you don't there's no point to it other than, oh yeah, uh, it was her. And uh, quick, she can she has to have something to do in this movie. So make her look upset, and then she, her, and Han Solo can have like a, a bit of a, a bit of a tiff. Um, yeah, I don't know, Dad. What do you think? Um, oh, blimey, that's a lot. There's a lot in there. Uh, I I think. Um, some of it worked well and some of it didn't, but it's a lot more relatable than the, the recent movies um, uh, overall. Uh, I think um, Han and Luke have got uh, a lot of tension and rivalry because of the possible love interest for Leia, and that resolves itself quite nicely when uh, Luke finds out, obviously, it's, this, it's a sister, it's a brother and sister relationship, so that's okay for Han, and they can all resolve themselves and be a lot more matey at the end of that. So maybe that's part of the whole thing that they don't have the ongoing sort of love interest tension. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is part of the problem for me, is that the, the relationship screams resolution in terms of storytelling. It is like, uh, oh, I just forget that they made out in the last one. Because if they had decided they were going to be brother and sister, they wouldn't have had these weird sexually charged moments between Luke and Leia where they're playing this off because they would have been like, well, it turns out they're brother and sister. So we're not going to set this up that maybe, you know, um, but during Empire Strikes Back, 
the whole that is a love movie like Han and Leia making out is on the poster of of Empire Strikes Back so we know they're supposed to be together because they throughout the second movie they have been um and yet just at the beginning of Empire you have a moment uh where Leia just gives Luke a big smooch on the bed to make Han jealous and uh Luke lies back on the bed like that <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like yeah. yeah he's like i got it yeah i got it yeah but the that wouldn't be in there i think if they had decided they were going to be brother and sister i don't mm. know if we could play i could play devil's advocate just a bit um and i'm not saying this is my theory but there's something that's to be said about um revelations at the end of a story arc whether it's i'm your father or it's Luke and Leia are brother and sister, or it's Rey is the granddaughter of the Emperor. If you you do um, move forward in your trilogy in a very disjointed way, which a new trilogy did with having JJ at the beginning, and then Ryan Johnson did the middle one, and then JJ came back, um, it do, it obviously um, results in a lot of inconsistencies. But the payoff at the end is like a surprise that no one could see coming. And you could almost legislate for that being intentional. They go, well, if we don't, if we keep secrets with people who are even making the movies, then the audience is never going to guess of what's going to happen. What are you talking if, about? If they're trying to, because I'm sure one of your criticisms of the new trilogy will be that they were just trying to copy and paste the original one. And it wasn't original in itself. It was just, let's just do exactly the same thing the original one did. Um, so the, what the original one is famous for is huge revelations that no audience could see coming. So even though if I was being critical, I would say that's kind of cheap and unfair on an audience not to lay the groundwork for a big revelation. If you're going to have a big revelation and a great twist, the best ones, um, more often in drama than I suppose in sci-fi, the best ones are the ones where you go, oh shit, yeah, because this, this, this and this. And it all lines up and you watch the film again from the beginning and you see them all intricately placed and it's like, an evil genius's master plan comes to fruition. Whereas in Star Wars, it's it's cheaper, but then the shocks are are greater. And if you can surrender to the entertainment of it and go, well, I'm here to be entertained, not to critique a piece of writing or and the architecture or something, you can kind of go, well, yeah, that's, that's fine, I suppose. Um, I, I guess it depends what hat you're wearing. Are you wearing a critical one? Or are you wearing your popcorn one? Well, that, yeah, that's a fair point. The real point of concern for me with that is uh, is the, the prequel trilogy. And one of the things that doesn't get discussed enough is that one of the reasons the prequel trilogy suffers is because George Lucas was inconsistent in his writing of the original trilogy. Right, it is moments like that of, oh, they're brother and sister. Um, and this, the, the, the bit in... Um, where Luke tells Leia, you know, you're my sister, where um, he says, what, what do you remember of your, your birth mother? Right? Up until that point, she never even mentioned she was adopted. We didn't know she was adopted until Luke's like, um, what do you remember of your real mother? And she's like, oh, I, you know, I was young when she died. It's like, oh, she was adopted? Um, it's just kind of like thrown, thrown out of there from nowhere. But because he's created all these consistencies, he then makes three entire movies trying to 
polyfiller the gaps of these consistencies that he's made. And it's like, okay, so if Luke was on Tatooine, then how did he get there? How did... Uh, okay, okay, we've got we've to put all this stuff together because he, he didn't have a clear vision of what he was going to do. So when he is given the chance with infinite money to make these three movies, it's like, okay, so I know there's something called the Clone Wars because I mentioned that in the first one. Uh, what is that? Uh, Anakin Skywalker was Darth Vader, so what, how the hell did that happen? Uh, and he's just created such a mess that when he tries to explain all of these messes he's created, he just creates a bigger mess. <laughs> and that's a problem. He's a victim that's of his own success, it sounds like there, Dom. Um, I mean, I, you've got me thinking about the films that I've just watched again, sort of Star Wars 5 and 6, and uh, they're both really quite flawed in lots of ways, but... I really enjoyed it. It was a relatable flawedness. Like a lot of the effects, uh, some of them are digital and uh, some of them are putty monsters. So there's all sorts of different things. And I've got it on DVD and they all sort of seem to stand out more. So you can really see that. Um, but I found that really good. As opposed to, uh, oh God, I just don't like it because. And I think I have that, I don't like it because attitude more of the more recent films I've seen. Because they just don't, I don't relate to them in the same way. Now, I don't know if that's my age or whether they're just not as good. It might well be a combination of both. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm also not a, I'm not a, that big of a fan of the new ones. But then, Dave, there are some parts of that, of the new ones that you really like and, and some that you are uh, a little bit more critical of. But I think overall you're a, a fan of the newer ones. I am, yeah. I, I like Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker very much. Uh, Last Jedi, I like the least. There were moments in it that I enjoyed, but it kind of was just um, symptomatic of taking away a franchise from a one director, giving it to another one, and then taking it away from him and giving it back to the original guy again. It just feels a bit out of place. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy them, and I think they're just great entertainment. And what I mentioned before about them trying to just recreate the magic of the original trilogy by basically copying and pasting and then slapping some fancy, then does some more modern technology and modern more story archetypes over the top of it that's a fair a fair observation but i didn't mind that when i came out of force awakens or during force awakens i was thinking this is exactly like star wars and i loved that about it and then last year i went on a bit of a left hand turn and tried to do some, some weird stuff but then jj came back and i was like this is just like star wars and i loved it yeah i think um one of the the things i noticed this time well, we're going to get back to the daddy issue stuff in a minute, I promise. But oh, one yeah, that's the, one, Sorry. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I noticed um, watching Return of the Jedi this time was what, what you were saying, Dave, which is why would anyone just watch Return of the Jedi on its own? <laughs> um, but when we think about what Star Wars is, everyone says, oh, Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back, but it's not. All Star Wars now is Return of the Jedi in terms of its story construction, in terms of, like, the cute interactions with, like, oh, and this is for kids. And then in terms of how the climax of the movies play out. In almost every Star Wars movie now, the climax of your movie involves one fight with lightsabers, one fight with a space battle, and one fight uh, with people with guns running around and shooting. 
And that is only because of Return of the Jedi. In A New Hope, it's Luke and he's going down the... He's, you know, he's, got the, he's on the trench run to blow up the Death Star. That's mm. the end of the movie. And all of the tension is there with Luke Skywalker. Right? Can, can, will he succeed? Um, in the second movie, the climax is Leia escaping. And once they escape, the focus is on Luke versus Darth Vader. Right? Then, in Return of the Jedi, it's Luke is fighting Palpatine... Uh, Han and Leia are trying to disable the, the shield generator and Landau Calrissian is trying to blow up the Death Star. So we have three different exciting things happening rather than just zooming in on on one of them. Then in the prequels, uh, in um, the, 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 uh, Phantom Menace, you have uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are fighting Darth Maul, uh, Padme is trying to retake the city, uh, Anakin Skywalker is fighting in space and Jar Jar Binks is fighting a battle right? and then you've got, it's, it's a fucking mess and all <laughs> of them are, are like this really except for maybe, no no I was going to say except for Revenge of the Sith but there you have Obi-Wan and, and Anakin are fighting and Yoda and Palpatine are fighting and Star Wars has become so busy in its climaxes that it doesn't take the time to just breathe, right? And I think that the, the sequel trilogy is, is pretty guilty of this as well. It's like um, uh, in Force Awakens, it's uh, Poe Dameron is trying to blow up the thing, Kylo Ren's fighting Rey, uh, they're, uh, they're running around in, you know, throwing um, Phasma into the toilet or whatever, the trash compactor and... and, and um, <laughs> It's it's so it's all so busy, you lose some of that that focus that connects you to the characters, and that's a fault of Return of the Jedi that I think is carried over into the rest of Star Wars. Is there has to be a lot going on, and there doesn't. Like the best bits of Star Wars is when Luke stands on a, a gangway with Darth Vader talking about, you know, come back. That's the the powerful moment of Star Wars. It's not the, you know, it's it's not the ten things happening at once. It's yeah, what the, what those characters mean, and I think that can get lost. It's one of the reasons why the Mandalorian is so good because it's about the Mandalorian and, and Baby Yoda. It's not trying to do ten things at the same time. So these are our characters, and yeah, that's kind of when it's when it's at its strongest, I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually now, completely agree yeah. with you there. Yeah, well, let's zoom in now to our, our our final topic, which is going to be Luke and Darth Vader versus the Emperor, um, at the end of Return of the Jedi. So, we've had our amazing talk where Luke said, "Come back and and join me," and Darth Vader said, "It's it's too late for me now." So they go up to confront the Emperor. Um, and there there's a back and forth where the Emperor is a real evil jerk. That's, you know, he's the Emperor, so, so he should be. Um, but Darth Vader is, is conflicted, and uh, the Emperor is trying to manipulate both of them. Luke refuses to fight him. Um, Darth Vader's like, you'll fight me or I'll kill you. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's some great tension there. So, Dad, you just watched this the other day. What do you think of that that final conflict? Between That's saying, well, fantastic, absolutely fantastic, because there's something in there that... Luke wants to go in there and use his lightsaber, but of course, by doing that, he loses because he submits to the dark side. So he's in an impossible situation. So how can Luke actually solve the problem? And ultimately, he doesn't. It's his dad that does that. 
because uh, Darth Vader sees the Emperor sort of like a, a lightning striking Luke, and uh, he says he decides he's not going to put up with it. So it's not actually Luke that uh, saves the galaxy ultimately, it's Darth Vader, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, it's a really unique climax to a movie whereby the hero wins by refusing to fight violence. Mm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so unique about it, again, is that Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi have said, you've got to go in there and fight Darth Vader. And, like, that's the that's how you win, is by fighting Darth Vader. And Luke refuses. To, he refuses to fight. And there's no other movie I can think of where the hero just goes, violence, you know, is the path of evil. And I refuse to take that path you know especially against against his father whereas the emperor is like take your jedi weapon strike me down um like violence leads uh, would be a loss rather than um yeah it's the only place that i can see where the emperor's scheme really turns around and backfires on him because he wants uh, he wants it to run a certain way and it's uh, darth vader sort of like turns it around and does it the exact opposite way mm. Mm. yeah dave what do you think well, I, I don't know. Luke is not. I think ultimately, yeah, he. The the day is saved because he doesn't go to the dark side and he doesn't fully fully relent. But he lets the dark side out. Like it, oh yeah. Initially, when like he he grabs his lightsaber from the Emperor and goes to strike him, but Darth Vader blocks him. Like, if Darth Vader hadn't have been there, I guess the Emperor probably would have zapped him away or whatever. He's not that easy to to get one up on but then whilst then when luke's doing his whole i'm not going to fight you father thing and darth vader just keeps coming at him luke is defending himself but then he lets he goes full wolverine and just starts just slashing mm. and just pounding on darth vader darth vader goes that, down that he's final... holding onto the railing yeah and he's just smacking him there's no finesse in it whatsoever he's just letting out the rage and cuts off his arm and then it's only then when the emperor's like yes yes <laughs> and he wants him to finish him off that Luke goes, no, actually, I'm not going to. Just just because you told me to, I'm not going to do it. Um, so he, Luke had to let the dark side out in order to get to to win. I think if if you can imagine some finale where he puts down his lightsaber completely, he's just going to get killed. He's that's the end of it. He has to sort of straddle that line, and that's the interesting thing about the whole Jedi-Sith split, this good-bad karma system thing that you see in video games is you can't be completely good, really, always. You can't be full Captain America and only ever do the right thing. There, there, there's a grey area that has to be explored when <laughs> fighting evil space wizards and who can shoot lightning out of their fingers. And that's the only way he can get one up and maybe Darth Vader wouldn't have turned on the Emperor if he hadn't just had the shit kicked out of him. If he was still standing there proudly beside the Emperor going, yeah, we, the two of us, we are untouchable. This little boy, he was supposed to have some kind of me mega destiny, either by joining us or by posing a threat. We kicked his ass easily. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine where I am. I'm sitting pretty. But there he is with his hand chopped off. Um, he's had all these speeches from his son saying, Father, there is good in you. Come on. I'm not going to give up. He had his heartstrings pulled a bit. And yeah, the brutality of the Emperor's attack on Luke, it's all sort of bubbling under there until he goes, no, that's it. And if it kills him, he's going to do the right thing, which ultimately it does and he does. 
I think yeah, the the tension in in that final conflict really comes down to how violent is Luke going to become, and if he goes all the way, then he loses himself. And it's really telling that when Luke does strike out both times, where he goes to strike the Emperor, it's because the Emperor says, I'm going to kill your family and friends. And Luke turns around to try and hit him. And then again, Luke hides from Darth Vader and, um, and says, I'm not going to fight you, until Darth Vader goes, you have a sister. And if you're not going to join me, maybe oh, yeah, she yeah. will. And then Luke busts out. And that's the good bit of that brother-sister relationship. Hands on the table. That's that's the, the the most important moment of that reveal, is that that is what gives Luke that um, temptation to give in to his anger, to give in to his hate. It's not um, I'm going to kill you. It's I'm going to kill the people that you love, and that's what catapults Luke forward into you know given giving into his yeah uh, his violent urges. And it's only when he sees his father, when he cuts off Darth Vader's hand, and he sees that he has a robot hand, and then Luke looks at his own glove, and he sees that he is becoming the vision of himself in the cave that he had in mm. the Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader's face, you know, the helmet has Luke's face. He sees the Vader's robot hand and sees, I am becoming, every, you know, the monster that my father became. That he refu- turns his lightsaber off. I will not kill my father. You know, violence is the path to the dark side. And yeah, I think that's a really important moment for Vader as well. Because it links back to that it's too late for me moment. Right? Where he says, I, you know, I've already given in to the Emperor. Um, but then he sees that his son hasn't. And I think it's what you were saying earlier, Dad, actually, that... Vader has learned from his son. It's not too late. There is sacri- self-sacrifice uh, can still be a path for good. And yeah, it's a just what a, an amazing ending, really. Yeah, it's highlighting a choice, isn't it, between do I sort of go down the same road my dad did or have I got some free will and destiny? And it, yeah, Darth Vader's done the same thing, hasn't he? He's, he's actually found his, uh, a road to redemption when he thought he was stuck before. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, and then, of course, we get the the horrible moment where where Darth Vader dies. He takes the helmet off. They have the I want to look upon look upon you with my own eyes. Um, I think Darth Vader's final words are, "Tell your sister that you were right about me," uh, which means there was still some light left inside him. Uh, Dave, what do you make of that that final the the death scene for Darth Vader with Luke? Similarly to um, what I was talking earlier about that walkway scene, I found it quite emotional. Like it really, it really tugged on on my heartstrings this time, and just, I think there's something to be said about the, the the visage of Darth Vader, and what um, versus who he truly is underneath. Um, it's kind of, it's a surreal, like powerful sort of juxtaposition of, like this. Um, ultimate space warrior murderer kind of guy very fearsome but underneath he's just a tired old man who's just had had enough really i think i think if um if you could have seen his face throughout the movie i think you would have seen in his eyes when he's interacting with the emperor a bit more of the conflict and him being like 
I don't, I don't know if this is the right thing to do anymore. And I wonder if if Luke and Leia were removed from this story, if it was some other unrelated young plucky hero who was going to save the galaxy, whether he still would have been like, you know what, I'm not sure this is me anymore. Because, um, yeah, he just looks tired. <laughs> so tired. Dad, what about you? And that, that final scene between the two of them. Uh, well, that final scene, I can, when I saw it before, it didn't affect me uh, the same way it did watching it now. I think it's a lot more relatable now. And again, maybe that's sort of getting older. You can see that. And uh, yeah, Darth Vader's done his bit. Um, I mean, he's, basically, he dies to save his son, doesn't he? Um, so he's, he's ultimately done the right thing. And he's found resolution. He's happy with it. So he's accepting his fate. Um, so yeah, powerful, good. Um, it, believable in some way, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I don't yeah, feel uh, like he's he's completely redeeming himself. I feel like he still believes that it's too late for him. There's no way back. Like if this was a, um, a more earthbound spiritual journey, he's not getting into heaven. Mm. Like he's done too much. But at least he can go out doing something great and something good and serving the ultimate good. Not so not going against the emperor or the empire but just doing one mm. good thing having spent decades doing awful things and he can he can find some peace in that yeah i think that's where the the force ghost moment at the end of the movie is really important firstly i just like to say when i watched when i watched the, the force ghost moment at the end i had forgotten that hayden christiansen as young anakin skywalker was going to turn up in my one, uh, I thought it was still going to be the original old guy, and then Hayden Christensen appeared, and I actually burst out laughing because I'd forgotten that he was going to turn up, and then he did, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a thing." Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's messy. But if we forget that it's Hayden Christensen, rather, and it should be the older version, it should be the man who was in the Darth Vader suit that appears as as Anakin Skywalker. Um. I think that, that that kind of ties into what you were saying, Dave, I think in a slightly different way, which is he appears as a false ghost because he he has redeemed himself and he's gone back to the light he's gone back to the force, right, to the light side. He's he's left the dark side behind. And because the the belief system works differently to a, a Christian version, um, like he hasn't had to get himself into heaven because the you know, we we watch him murder kids in in the prequel movies which um you know is also something a problem with those prequel movies i think but he has gone back to the light enough to be at one with the force right where he can appear as a as a ghost alongside obi-wan and and yoda and he has found redemption in that way that he yeah he appears you know as a jedi he appears as a jedi rather than appearing you know as the the horrible cracked up uh corrupted version of this m more machine than man that, that he had become and yeah that's i think that's because of his son and even if he had eventually decided to overthrow the emperor and kill the emperor it would have been um out of his hatred and his anger rather than in the way that he does because it's luke he kills the emperor in order to save you know out of he sacrifices himself rather than to accumulate more power and uh yeah to become the emperor himself it's he gives up everything in order to 
to save somebody else and that kind of allows him to become one with the force i guess um yeah it's it's a great moment and it's it, you can see in luke as well where his father dies he feels a real loss there um it's not just like oh this is the guy who cut my hand off and terrorized the galaxy like this is my father and i do love him as my father and yeah losing him hurts it, it yeah it hurts mm. luke and we we get to see the scene where he the final burial scene where he lights the pyre with with Darth Vader on it there's an amazing shot with Luke and the flaming torch in front of the it's just beautifully I was going to say that that sh- that kind of took me aback watching it this time that's such a beautiful beautiful mm. shot yeah well do you guys have any final thoughts on on Vader and Luke and and what they mean before we go on Dave do you have any final thoughts um i was just thinking then i it's Luke shows himself to be like a true hero in that, like just after what you were saying about how he feels the loss of his father, he doesn't feel the loss. You know, it's not like I've just killed Darth Vader and saved the galaxy way. It's I've, you know, I've, I've got my father back only to lose him immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is, that is really affecting and that is good storytelling and it's tragic. It's sad. It's, it's, not I got my father back from the dark side and now we're we're gonna go skipping down Rigello Brick Road and have picnics together and shit. It's just that was yeah, it. It's like gone his, a road his, trip. Yeah, his his a he he's probably he probably knew that he was never gonna get a life with um, his father after this was over. The only way he could be redeemed is to is to be like Alex says, is to sacrifice himself and to redeem himself that way. Um, and I suppose it makes sense that he appears as a force ghost and it makes sense that he would appear as the last point where he was still any good. It wouldn't make sense for the old man Darth Vader to appear as a force ghost because at that point it's he's been evil for decades. So why would he appear in nice light blue shimmer looking like a murderer? So I guess it makes sense. I just hate the fact that <laughs> George Lucas did that. Uh, and uh, I was annoyed. What every time I there was a CGI insert in this, I was like, "Oh, fuck you, George! This is <laughs> why? Why?" And I wish, I wish Disney Plus gave you the option to watch the original theatrical mm-hmm. cut without all the additional bits. But that's by the by, and that's just a gripe. Um, but uh, the one final thing I have to say about Darth Vader is a, it's more of a, a larger annoying thing I have with redemption stories when it's a with about a character who's done awful things who will at the end of the story show that they are not completely evil and there is good in them and they redeem themselves a bit like when we talked about road to perdition yeah. in that kind of way i feel like a proper a real redemption story about someone like that i just i don't like the fact that he gets complete forgiveness almost the force forgives him for everything that he's done and lets him live on as a force ghost and you know he can witness luke's life now and they can interact we've seen luke interact with force ghost yoda and obi-wan so presumably they can still have chats and you know he can give advice and stuff and i don't like that i don't think that's fair i don't think that what darth vader did at the end to the emperor um erases all the stuff that he's done to make him who he is i want I think he should be gone. I think it should be a Terminator 2 ending and he goes to give a thumbs up, but he can't because his hand's chopped off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, no, I just, yeah, I think re- 
redemption is too easily doled out in in cinema and i would like to see it be a little bit harsher but then as you said earlier this is a kids film and you have to convince children that no matter how many bad things they do if they do something good there's always a way back to being loved which is bullshit well life isn't like that (laughs) yeah do a good thing and you can get onto santa's nice list yeah yeah exactly yeah you can never you you never stay on the naughty list forever yeah just slightly in in talking about that i think the the appearance of of the ghost of anakin's ghost at the end is more of a tribute to luke's actions than it is to anakin's redemption from as darth vader because as again obi-wan and yoda wanted him dead and said the only way to save the galaxy is to kill him but because luke doesn't embrace violence his father is able to find um, to find a place amongst the Force and to abandon the dark side, which he couldn't have done if he had done what the Jedi told him to do, which was to just go and assassinate him, basically. Hmm. Um, and so I think it's more of it's Luke's victory that his father gets to live on rather than Darth Vader's victory, because Luke saved his father. Like Darth Vader literally saved his life by chucking the Emperor down that hole, but it was Luke's victory that his father gets to, you know, finds that redemption. Um, but I think that gets missed a lot of the time because people will be like, he, you know, yeah, he killed the emperor, but we did also see him butcher those children. Uh, yeah. And yeah, there is a part of that. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Uh, Dad, do you have any final thoughts? Um, well, following on from what Dave was saying there, I think it's yeah, because it is a children's film. Effectively, he gets complete absolution um, and mm-hmm. life doesn't kind of work like that. So it's, those scenes are oversimplified, but it it makes it quite palatable i suppose um and again i can imagine if it's some sort of netflix series you could have um you know luke experiencing a lot more sort of complex grief about what's happened with his dad he's just met him and uh, you know he's dead uh, as you said and um how do you deal with all his conflicting emotions and then uh, darth vader does he really actually deserve complete absolution or is it uh, something there's a lot more to explore perhaps yeah, I think that's one thing that gets touched on slightly in the the sequel trilogy is really they just say, oh, Kylo Ren went evil because he found out his granddad was Darth Vader. What they really should have done is go into that more to say there's a reason why why Kylo Ren didn't know. Right. There's a reason why Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia didn't tell him. Um, and it's because, you know, across the galaxy, this guy is still widely known as, you know, as a tyrant. And they have accepted that within themselves. But other people aren't going to be as understanding as their spiritual, you know, their spiritual acceptance that he was their father and he found peace. Everyone's going to be like, fuck that. You know, like, that guy was on two Death Stars and you want us to just forgive him? Like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, that's Okay, uh, final thing we do at the end of, of each episode. Dave, how much of yourself, uh, your relationship with your father, do you see in the Star Wars original trilogy? Um, not Obviously, we know that your deal. father is evil, an evil robot man. <laughs> so. Is this like the time that you said that my father, in his spare time, trains fighting robots? <laughs> yes, yes it is just and like he that. also in his spare time is a hitman for the irish mob and he's also in his <laughs> spare time <laughs> he's um, very busy i'm surprised he has any spare time he's a very busy man um 
No, I don't really see a great deal in in my own relationship with my father. And I think the why where this touches me more is uh, in a similar fashion to I think what you said about the shining and um I've said about another episode where I saw myself more in the the flawed father figure even though I can't relate to the relationship between a father and a son um I do some I do sometimes wonder like if it's too late you know and if I'm on this path that is an unknown Alex has said the term like an un, the un, unknown sort of on my unknown destiny I've taken a path I don't know where it's going to go um and if it turns up going to a bad or a darker place is it is it too late and will it take some force of light to to pull me away and in, in a different direction and back towards something something good so I think that's the that's why this affected me now and I think it's this is also a big part of where I am in my life currently at my age and where I am with my own well-being and my own thoughts on the future and stuff like that so I think it was touching because it it did give me a sense of hope and although I can't see any any place in that where my dad lives <laughs> um, it's just in terms of that their relation Luke and Darth Vader's relationship there was something in that that hey it gave me a new hope <laughs> he winked into the You've camera. You've done it. Excellent. He's done it. Yeah. Dad, what about you? How do do these impact your father and son relationships as a as a father and and as a son yourself? Do you see do you see any of it in these movies? Um, not in terms of wielding lightsabers and sort of killing lots of children and stuff like that. <laughs> Death stars. <laughs> Although that probably been more exciting than living in Bridgewater. Um, <laughs> I what really comes across in that stuff I can relate to me I can relate to you and I can relate to my dad um, is that we're all imperfect and all of us are making mistakes but ultimately you know uh, Luke and Darth Vader did the best they could and came up with sort of like a, a positive result and I think that's probably what we're doing in our family here you know I think everyone's trying their hardest to do the best they can and not always getting it right and I can see that in myself definitely um, I can see that in my dad he doesn't always get the right result but he certainly always tries to his intentions are good and I, you know, I can see your intentions are good too um, so that's uh, that's probably the, the biggest truth of it that comes across yeah I think one of the, the big things I really noticed this time um, and I keep coming back to this but it's Luke rejecting what the Jedi tell him to do is Yoda and Obi-Wan tell him there is this one course of action that will save everyone. And if you deviate from this course of action, then you're dooming the galaxy. And then Darth Vader says, the Emperor has created this, your future, right? He's being given two destinies, one by his actual father and one by these mm. father-teacher-esque figures. And they, they're both saying, you can go one of two ways. And what Luke says is, actually, I'm not going to go either of those two ways. I'm going to go my way, taking what I have learned from you, mm. from both of you, to uh, to try and achieve, you know, to do what is right to me, not necessarily what is, you know, what, what the Jedi say is good or what Darth Vader or the Emperor say is right, but what he knows, uh, what he knows in his own heart. And I think that there's something about being a son in that dynamic 
which is eventually you reach a point where you can take advice from your parents, um, but you still you have to make a choice of your own. At Absolutely, some point. yeah. And yeah, and there's something about actually becoming a man in like the an actual like a man, not a boy, is when you can say, "I hear what you're saying, I value what you're saying, but I have to make a choice of my own in here." Um, it's just in in Luke's story, he's you know deciding the fate of the galaxy rather than should I buy this house or not? Mm. No, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's a, just a different a different scale. Or what should I do in my relationship? You know, and then you can get advice from, from friends and family, but ultimately you have to do what you think is the right thing to do. Um, and Luke does that. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, a really cool moment. And again, what makes the character so relatable is making that decision for himself, not just what other people have, what everyone else has told him to do. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're we're done there. That's a a, a perfect way to to round this episode up. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us to talk about the original Star Wars trilogy. We'll give Star Wars a bit of a rest for now. I think, Dave. What do you reckon? We've done a lot of Star Wars. Yeah, maybe it's best we 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 leave it to linger for a bit. Leave them wanting more. <laughs> yeah. All 13 of you. Although, actually, our main audience is also on the podcast with us. Today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for, for joining us as well, Dad. I, I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time. Oh, well, you're welcome. I've really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it's been good fun. Yeah, that, it's been great to finally talk to you, Alex. Oh, and you, Dave. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't something super serious. We haven't gone like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do Road to Perdition or something. <laughs> I don't know. When Alex was saying about how the, the last thing you said about how this relates to your relationship, I was waiting. I was waiting to get choked up. It was I was on the edge. But <laughs> I'll we'll, we'll find yeah, we'll find a real dark one to get into. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good when we uh, we bring you back for another episode. Well, thank you everyone for for listening to this episode of, of Daddy Issues. I have no idea what we're doing next week. I guess there's only one way to find out, and that's to tune in. Uh, yes. So thank you. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Drink your blue milk and shut up.